A very warm welcome to the Change Conversations podcast, where we help individuals to reignite the spark to look at their lives and careers with a different lens. Our interactions interrogate different individuals of all backgrounds who seek to be equipped for change in their careers and personal goals. I am your host, Mbumengu Betaga, and I look forward to bringing you impactful change conversations. Welcome uh, to Change Conversations with Mpume. Today I'm speaking to, I'm going to claim him as a good friend of mine now, now that I know him. And we are talking about cultivating relationships in the workplace. Um, as you know, my line is you do a better job when you introduce yourself. Clive, welcome. Please Thank introduce you. yourself. Okay, cool. Thank you. I will do. Um, so like I I, I I can introduce myself for hours. So you eventually have to stop me because I'm just going to keep I will stop you. I love talking about myself. So <laughs> my name is Clive van der Wachen and I'm a training specialist. Um, I focus on relationships, which is why today we are going to be talking about relationships and how to cultivate relationships, develop relationships and develop leaders to have good relationships with their teams. Um, so that's some of the focus that I have. My background, I started off my career studying drama. So I wanted to be an actor. And like all good actors, I finished off my drama, my drama studies and ended up being a waiter in a restaurant for a good few years, decided I needed to have a salary. So I went off and I thought, well, what can I study that's similar to drama? And I thought, okay, well, I like people's stories. So I went into journalism and I did a master's degree in journalism and I was in magazines for a number of years. And it's kind okay. of been a transition from there into training where my fascination is with people's stories because we all have such amazing narratives and such amazing stories. And so I've gone into this training space with that background of wanting to get to know your story and seeing how we can use your story to be as effective in the workplace and relationships with your partner, with your friends, with your children as possible. Okay, great. As you say, you can introduce yourself for hours and hours and hours. What right? else would you like to know? I can just tell you. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that about you. So this is great. <laughs> cool. So can I just talk to me. Why? What's so exciting for you about cultivating relationships? Why are you passionate about this? Yeah, it's a good question. And, you know, when I think about it, actually, it, it kind of stems back to like an existential the meaning of life for me. And I suppose what happened is, is that I came to a realization, and this is for me personally, I don't necessarily subscribe that everyone subscribe or, or, or say that everyone subscribes to this. But I kind of thought about like, what is the meaning of life? What are we really, what is life about? And I kind of thought about, well, what do we leave behind after we die? And the only thing that I could answer was relationships. The only thing that I leave behind is the way I've impacted a person's life or mm. the way they think about me or the way they remember me. I leave nothing else that's really tangible. You know, some people might leave a book or something, but it's still relationship. So I kind of thought, well, if this is the meaning of life, what? why don't I become better at relationships? And it kind of led me onto this journey into, into investigating relationships. I kind of decided that, 
So I have a business plan, a one-line business plan for my business. And my business plan, my business as a trainer is, is that I want to make people better. So I want people after an experience of me to walk away feeling better, whether that be an experience in the training room or whether that be an experience with you and I having a coffee and a chat together. Because I believe that all I leave behind is the relationship that I've built with you. And so that's why I got so passionate about it, because it was kind of like, kind of had this epiphany that it's the meaning of life, ultimately. Some people disagree with me, but um, for me, that's yeah, where I find my meaning. But that's your perspective. Like, whether that's we agree or not, it really doesn't matter. I don't know how anyone could disagree, but, <laughs> but I, I'm forthright like that, because it really is, is, is that I look at, I've been to so many funerals and no one has brought along what was bought for them all they've brought along are the memories and the heartache and the tears and the relationship it's it's what being it's what being human is and during COVID we've seen that one of the biggest frustrations has been our lack of being able to have relationship as we know it and we've seen it create anger in people because they want that connection back you know for me, yeah, the I things we, we're used to connecting. So when we don't connect, even if yeah. it's a bad relationship, but you still want that connection. Absolutely. And, you know, it's actually so one of the things that I'm trained in and it's it's is called transactional analysis, which you know about. Um, yeah. But for, for those people listening, it's a modality of building relationships that that can be used. And Eric Byrne found it. And one of the things that he spoke about is the fact that we, he, he described something called strokes, where mm-hmm. what we do as human beings is we want strokes, which is recognition. So we want, and yeah. the thing is that we want positive recognition, but we also want negative recognition. And we'd rather have negative recognition than no recognition. And that's, that's his theory. And that's the thing about COVID is, is that so many of us are sitting in our lounges working, where we're, you know, we're feeding the kids, we're, we're stuck in these one little room apartments or in our bedrooms or, or doing our thing, and we're not actually having connection. And it's creating this kind of simmering anger and anxiety because we need to have that connection. It's, human, it, it's intrinsically human within us yeah. to want recognition. No, I can, I can relate to that. So, but, so tell me a little bit more on... When you're, when you're talking relationships and we take it one step further and we say relationships in the workplace, what does that look like? So relationships in the workplace, relationships in general are difficult. Yeah. Um, mm. So that's the thing. There's no easy way to navigate a relationship. There, you know, there's tips and techniques that I can train you, but essentially um, relationships are difficult to navigate. I believe that at times relationships in the workplace can be more difficult to navigate because what often is happens around relationships in the workplace is so one of the foundations of relationships Mm -hmm. is safety so I work with a company called Cohesion Collective while I'm doing some work with them at the moment and they have a very beautiful way of describing it they say that trust isn't earned trust is given So I give you my trust because I feel safe enough to do so. So the problem with relationships in the workplace sometimes is that people stop feeling safe. Because if I say 
what's really going on, they could mm-hmm. fire me. My boss okay. could dislike me. I might not make the sales I made. I'm only as good as my last sale that I made. You know, my QA scores are down if I'm in a call center. My team's not performing effectively. We've got all of these things that aren't safe in a workplace that, okay. that add to, and then what we have on top of that is a layer of relationship where I am also waiting for other people to do things for me so that I can perform. So what you've got is you've got the, it's not like a relationship with a husband and a wife or a friend where the expectation is, is that you just connect relationally and there's no kind of set, the sense of safety is generally there. You know, your wife's not going to fire you. They might divorce you down the line, but that's a different story. But in the workplace, people tend to protect themselves Mm -hmm. because they, they don't feel necessarily that they're always safe. Um, and that might be the culture and that might just be because that's the nature of work. So when I think about relationships in the workplace, I always think about that relationships in the workplace are that much more difficult because the first thing that any leader has to do, and we see when you were speaking about leadership, is the first thing any leader has to do in a relationship is make a person feel safe, which I don't necessarily have to do in any other relationship. In a, yeah. in a relationship that I have to just get you to like me, you know, and, and getting someone to like you is easy. Just ask them questions. It's like me, ask me questions about myself. I'll love you. <laughs> it's like that with other people, but it's different at work. Yeah. Work, the relationship has to be built in that you have to make me feel safe so I can give you my trust. Um, okay. And then from there, relationship can be built. And so what often happens in our relationships at work is we walk in with the assumption that the person feels safe. We walk in with the assumption that they know how to do the job. And we walk in with the assumption that the job already assumes the relationship. And we don't feel like we need to work on the relationship because we feel like we need to work on the job. So the relationships get too mixed in the job. And that's Mm -hmm. why what I like doing when I train people is I separate the relationship from the job you need to do. And I separate the person from their title or what they need to perform. Because ultimately what I first need to do is I need to get to know the human in front of me to build that, that position of safety. Cause then I'll make. So how do you separate? So how do you separate the relationship from the job? How do you do that? Good question. So it's, it's very difficult because obviously a lot of our persona is wrapped up in the fact that, you know, I'm a training specialist and this is who I am. But what we do is, is, is that in terms of, and it goes into the empathy space to some extent, what it does is it stops, you stop seeing somebody for just what they can produce for being just what they can produce. So Like, for example, I hate it when I go to a company and they call me a vendor. I'm not a vendor. I'm a human being, you know, so I understand that's your terminology. You know, the fact is that I'm a human being. Yeah. A supplier, you know, it's the, I don't mind, you know, when in the protocols doing that, but when we're in a meeting and we're saying, and this supplier is, no, 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 Clive is here to partner and add value, you know, so that's. But what has so often is, is that we, we see them as our human capital, our resources. You know, I need another resource is what we ask for when we need yeah. another person. So what mm. happens is, is that to separate that is, is, is you stop seeing the task. You stop seeing what that person has to do for you. 
And you start seeing the fact that they're human beings. So if they walk in late, for example, I don't look at the fact that they just walked in late and their contract says they must start at eight o'clock. I look at the fact that they're a human being and something might have happened at home. So I'm first going to say why. If I need Mm -hmm. to have a critical conversation about the way it it affects the job, I'll let it get there based on the fact that I first checked in with them as a human being. Based on the fact that I first checked in with their humanity and not just their task. The fact is that eight o'clock is their contract, but they're human. There might've been a problem with the babysitter that day. Child might Mm -hmm. be sick, whatever it is. But we mm. so often get stuck in the task the person has to perform. We, we, when someone's not performing well in sales, we ask them, what, you know, what's wrong? What can we get your sales up? You've got to get on the phone more. You've got to get your numbers up. You've got to go and see more clients. We don't actually sit them back and say, are you okay? Is there stuff going on? Actually, I'm going through a divorce at the moment. And I'm feeling like I don't know if I can do this job right now. I've got a different thing to deal with completely in the work. I've got a relationship issue to deal with if I want to make that person a better performer. So does that make sense in how I'm separating them? It's just about not seeing the person for what they do, but seeing them for who they are. Wow. No, I think that for me is quite powerful because I think most of the time we get caught up with the work and we don't see people. We just want things to be done. And sometimes it's, it's all about just the work and not the yeah. relationship. And the line becomes, I'm not here to make friends. How many times have you had that? Yeah, I'm just here exactly. to do the job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the problem with that kind of thing, and it does get said, and it's fine. You know, the thing is, work is work. And if I make friends with you along the way, great. That's added. Right. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I don't have to be friends or like everyone I work with. I do have to navigate the relationship so that it performs them optimally in terms of the yeah. workplace, because ultimately we all want our businesses to be profitable. That's the ultimate aim. And so we yeah. need to make sure that our function is sorted out so the business can work towards that. So the work yeah. is important um, and, and, and you, you, we need to get on with that. But the problem is, is, is that when it just becomes part of the work, about the work. And I no longer feel safe as a human. It's easy to lose that sense of trust, but it's so difficult to gain and to gain back. And that's the problem of when it does become about the task. And the task is important. It's so important to get the job done. But what we need to do is have those moments where we check in with the human being so we keep on allowing them to give us the trust. But the work yeah. is important. I'm not saying that's not important as well. No. But I believe if we get the human aspect right, the job will be done better. And somehow we think it's the other way around. We think yeah. the job will be done better if I leave my emotions at the door. And yeah. what I'm saying to you, saying to people is, is that bring the mess In into the work. Deal with the, the mess because that's going to yeah. make them better. Maybe not immediately, but they, you know, they'll stay with the company for longer. Or they'll, you know, they'll perform better after they've gone through what they've gone through. But while I just leave it, I've got a non-performer on my hands and probably not going to get them to, to ever be a performer. Yeah. So, so Clef, is there science behind this building relationship, cultivating relationships or not? Or is it an art more than the science? <laughs> so I think... I think that science is maybe a bit difficult for me to answer. So I I think psychology is the science of relationships to a a large extent. 
Um, but there are various modalities of looking at relationships. So I use transactional analysis and I use emotional intelligence in my, in my speciality and area of expertise in relationship. Um, other people used various other things, whether it be, you know, reflective inquiry or appreciative inquiry. There's various kind of ways of describing, you know, kind of what relationship is. But what I often say to people is, is that, and so, and one of the things is I was in human resources for a while. So I used to sit in on interviews um, and I used to, I, I should have had a, like made a drinking game where every time someone said this, I have a shot because I promise you, I think I'd still be drunk today. And I was, I left human resources more than a year ago, but is when someone says to me, I'm a people's person. And I always want to, at that point, stop the interview and say, thanks, goodbye, thanks very much, because I have such What's a... What's wrong with that? I'm a people's person. And I'll tell you why. It's like me saying to you, applying for an accountant position and saying, I'm good with numbers. What's Just, wrong with that, Clive? Doesn't mean I can perform an accountant position. It might be that I'm good at, it might be good that I, I'm good at, you know, counting up numbers and adding up an Excel spreadsheet, but that doesn't mean I can take something through to balance sheet. If, I think that's what accountants do. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm not one. But, and when people say I'm a people's person, I want to say to them, well, what, how have you actually really implemented that in your life and really actually got reflection back on whether you're a people's person? Just because I like people, doesn't mean I'm good with them. Doesn't okay. just because I'm extroverted doesn't mean that people are drawn to me. Okay. So I believe that there is ways, and whether we want to call them sciences, modalities, whatever they are, of, yeah. of working relationships so that they can be more effective. So you've got Daniel Goleman's emotional intelligence, which speaks about your self-awareness. So knowing how you present yourself into the world. And then also having empathy for other people and seeing their, how they respond in the world. And he uses emotional intelligence and now become widely used as a way of navigating relationships. Transactional analysis by Eric Byrne has a way of navigating by, by being able to see what ego states people are in and being able to adjust my behavior to, to um, respond to the person's behavior in front of me. But I think if I ultimately had to say to you, if I could sum up what relationships is, is in one word or the science of relationships, it would probably be empathy. It's the ability to, to or, or sensitivity. It's the ability to see what's in front of me mm -hmm. in, in a person and respond to it and yeah. be able to see what's going on inside myself and respond to it. Okay. And that's the science of relationships is the awareness of self and the awareness of others. I believe that's my, how I've come to study it. I know many people have different ways of, but we're all skinning the same cat to some extent. You know, we all, you know, the, the relationships is something we need to work on and something we actually learn to get better at. Um, yeah. and so that's why I do believe there is a science and an art to it, like you said. Yeah. So And apologies to any accountants out there. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be wine. They'll get over oh, it. It's fine. Okay, good. All right. <laughs> <laughs> At least you're fine. <laughs> so, so I think the trick here is, as you're saying, that there's empathy into it, which means you're putting yourself in the other person's shoes, right? And you're also 
looking where they at and then reflecting that back to yourself. Yeah, I well, right. So yeah, so I, you know, I, I, not wild about describing empathy as putting yourself into somebody else's shoes because, for me, it's almost a little bit. It's, it's empathy is slightly simpler. Empathy yeah. is saying that somebody has a story besides the one I've decided in my head is the story for them. Okay. So, you know, and I'll give an example. I was once, I was driving the other day. Uh, my little dog had dislocated her shoulder. So I was driving her to the vet and I was driving incredibly slowly as I turned a corner. And this guy behind me hooted at me and was all angry because I was taking the corner so slowly. Yeah. And I suddenly thought, how many times have I got irritated with someone driving slowly in front of me? How many times have I, you know, got irritated by someone taking a corner too slowly when I've been in a rush? So I've put a story in my head that they are slow, therefore they are not okay, therefore they are bad. Yeah. Whereas actually what I haven't thought of is the fact is perhaps there's a story there and they have a dog with a dislocated shoulder. So I'm not putting myself into their shoes necessarily, what I'm doing is just saying that is I'm giving someone the respect to say that you have a story beyond the one I'm concocting in my mind. The fact wow. is, is that, and, and so I don't have to have experienced, so I don't have to have experienced a divorce to have empathy for a divorce. All I have yeah. to do is respect your story and allow yeah. that story to be, to be a part of our relationship. Does that make that's sense? A great, that's a great perspective. Yeah, I think it's it's helpful for me because, you know, I, I used to struggle with empathy because for some people, like if they're drug addicts, I've never been a drug addict. So it's difficult for me to understand when people relapse, for example, it's, you know, yeah. and those things. So, you know, and so when you tell me to put myself in their shoes, I don't understand the cravings. Wow. I don't understand. Yeah. You know, for me, sometimes, you know, I might see it as they were just being weak and not willpowered enough. That's me putting myself in their shoes. But what I've got to actually realize is that they've actually got a story. They're trying to escape something or there's, mm. there's something beyond what my narrative is. And I've got to give that the respect that's due to it. So it's helpful because for me. All, yeah, no, it is. Because all of us have got our own narratives. And yeah. all, of us are, all of us are going through different things at different times. Yeah. So it really, it, it's a great perspective. So and let's, let's, in terms yeah. of, sorry, and like I say, I could talk about this for hours, but it also helps with empathy for myself because what it does is, is that it, it, because we, it's one of the things we're also bad at is the relationship with ourselves. We say the worst things to ourselves that we would never say to anybody else. So when I have empathy, I'm not putting myself in somebody else's shoes or anything. I'm actually saying, is the story I'm telling myself the real story or is there a story behind the story that's going on and actually yes I've had a really bad day because I'm not cross with the kids I'm cross with the fact that my boss shouted at me this morning yeah, and that's yeah. the empathy is to forgive myself for speaking to my kids like that and explaining to them that dad was just having a really bad day okay. because of something else that happened the story in front of me isn't the story that's always the truth wow no, I love that. That's 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 a, a great perspective. So let's say somebody's listening to us, yes, and they are having crappy relationships at work. What do they need to do? Where can they start? What like, yeah, 
Where's well, the starting point? <laughs> They can call specialists like you and I, <laughs> so <laughs> we uh, who are trained in these kind of things. It's difficult. So the one of the things that if you are having a crappy relationship, there's for me there's two steps that you need to first do, and the first one is you need to you need to say is you you need to step into self awareness. And you need to say, is this relationship crap because I'm allowing it to be crap? I believe a couple of things. I believe you teach people how to treat you. So yeah. sometimes what's happening is, is that am I not speaking up for myself and saying, actually, I don't need you to speak to me like this. I can do the job and having a unemotional discussion with someone. Or perhaps am I actually being, I don't like the person and the way I'm responding to them is creating a response in them that doesn't like me back. And we've got this, we've got into the circle of both not liking each other that someone needs to step out of. Yeah, but I think sure. the most important thing is by sitting down and saying, what am I doing in this relationship? What am I potentially doing wrong? Or what mm -hmm. could I do differently in this relationship? And what am I doing right in this yeah. relationship? And if it comes to the point of realizing, because relationships are always about us shifting to the person in front of us. Yeah. And one of the things I always say is, is, is that I can't change the way someone is dealing with you, but I can try and help you deal with the way you respond to it. Yeah. So the first thing is to take that self-awareness and to say, what am I bringing to this relationship? Am I actually treating this person in a way that makes them not trust me? Have I actually been um, giving them my best work and being honest with yourself and saying that? But mm -hmm. sometimes we do have relationships with managers who just treat us badly. Yeah. And, um, you know, who might be narcissists, who might be insecure in their job and they, all they, the tasks are doing. And the, that's probably the most difficult terrain to navigate. And what I always say in terms of that is, is that you need to find someone to speak to about it because you have to debrief. You have to get that off your shoulders and speak about it because you're going to carry that. Um, and the workplace is going to be toxic, but you need to get into an unemotional space with that okay. person to protect yourself. And so yeah. what you need to do is you need to realize that their narcissism or the way that they're speaking to you isn't necessarily about you. It's just no. about the way that they do their job. So therefore, mm. I unemotionally just need to get on with it. And then yeah, some of yeah. the unemotional decision I need to make is, is that do I perhaps need to move on? Do I perhaps need to confront? Do I need to perhaps call in a mediator? But what I need to do is I need to make a decision as to how I'm going to deal with that relationship. Sitting in that indecisiveness often is what causes us to end up burnt out, lose meaning in our work. What we've yeah. got to do is we've got to be self-aware and then also say, well, what can I do to move that, this relationship forward? 5% mm. of people in this world, you're never going to move forward. And you've just got to accept the relationship for what it is. But for yeah. the rest of the time, if you go into a discussion and you say, listen, this relationship between us, I feel like it's not working. What do you need from me? And I always say that's a very powerful question. Not to go in with you and Pume should be doing this, but Pume, what yeah. do you need from me to yeah. make us work better together and have mm -hmm. that discussion because it creates an open, honest, and, and a space for an unemotional discussion 
to talk about what's needed in the relationship. So that's some advice off the top of my head. It yeah. obviously is, is situation specific. And for some people, those relationships are so toxic that, you know, I feel awful for, for so, you know, where some people find themselves. But mm-hmm. off the top of my head, though, that would be the, the advice I would give. Okay. So at some point you, you spoke about ego states. Yes. What does that mean? Just talk us briefly. <laughs> so oh, I love ego states. So ego states is part of transactional analysis. So ego states is basically, if you have to think of your Apple iPhone or your Samsung Android, it has an operating system. And yeah. what Burns said is basically is, is that our operating system as human beings is what are called ego states. And he said we operate in three different ego states, which are broken down. And we operate in a parent ego state, which draws on from how, you know, it's a script we were given as a child. Don't do this. You naughty. Come get a hug if you've been good. Mm-hmm. It's all those parental relationships that kind of get fed into our minds. Then we've yep. got the adult ego state, which is the here and now. It's the unemotional, rational, logical part that deals with like right now, we would be an adult. We're talking here and now discussions. I'm not telling you what to do in parent. And I'm also, we're not in child, which is the third ego state, which is either the natural child or the free child, as he called it, which is the child I'm born with, which is creative and spontaneous, or the adapted child that adapts to what people who are senior to me have told me to be or become. So I've learned that if I keep quiet... I won't get teased at school. So therefore I've learned to become a quiet person. So therefore yeah. I've got a child ego state. So these are the three ego states that he said when the, he put to, and they all operate within us at varying times. Yeah. And what he said is that this, these ego states are like our operating system, but we can manage them. He called it transactional analysis because what he believed is, is that, so every time I've said something to you and you've responded, that's a transaction. Me, if we were doing this in person, me you know, putting a hand on your shoulder is a transaction. It's a, it's a, and so what he said is, is that if I know what ego state you're in and can recognize that and yeah. I can go to the complementary ego state, I can manage the transaction better. So, for example, an adult likes another adult because they want to get the job done. They don't want yeah. a child and someone joking the whole time. They're going to get irritated by the yeah. child. They want someone who's going to do the job. If somebody says, I need you to do this, and the person says, yes, okay, I'll do it, that's a complementary transaction. But if the person says, no, you do it, and you stick it up your bum, I've got a, I've got a different child ego said, and I've got a cross-transaction that's happening. That's yeah. not ideal. So it's yeah. about me realizing, seeing what's in, and it's part of the training that I do. And, and uh, I take people through an intensive look at the, at Burns ego states and how he said that we, how we can use them firstly to see how we operate and present ourselves in the world, because we sometimes present more of the, of an ego state than, than other ego states. Yeah, um, yeah. And sometimes we struggle to access some ego states a bit more than others. And also we can learn to recognize them in other people as well. Um, and so I train on how do we self-aware and how, how do we also then manage the transactions between each other as well. So, so make an example for me in a workplace. How okay. would these ego states play out? Okay. So let's go into... Um, 
I am going to I'm going to say to you, uh, you need to get a report done to me. So I can either go in a parent ego state, which says, and there's two kinds of e parent ego states that are demonstrated. Um, there's the critical parent uh, or the controlling parent, as Byrne called it, and the nurturing parent. So mm -hmm. say, for example, I went in a critical parent to you about a report. And I said to you, Mpume, this report that you've done is not up to scratch. You have not done what I needed you to do with this. And I need this report to be done as by five o'clock this afternoon to be redone. Yeah. I have a choice of what ego state to go into from there. I can go into a child ego state, which says I've learned to, to say yes and respect my elders, whatever it might be. So I say, yes, 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 I'll do it. I'll make sure I fix it. But... I don't really know how to fix it. I don't know what's wrong with it. But I've mm. said yes, because I've gone into the adapted child, because I've been taught that I must say yes, that I'll do something to please someone. Um, so, or else I could go back into, into an angry child, a rebellious child and say, it's perfectly done. What do you mean? And I've suddenly got two people having a fight at the table. Yeah. Or else what mm. I could do is go into adult and say, I understand that you think it's it's incorrect. Um, can you sit down with me for 20 minutes and just show me where I went wrong so that I can make sure that I've done it, that I fix it appropriately, and then I can get it to you by five o'clock? That's mm -hmm. a complimentary ego state because then the person can say, yes, no, I don't have time to, okay, let me sit with you, whatever it might be. But that's a yeah. transaction that could go better than one where I go into a state where I'm, I'm going into either responding when I can't or being angry, but I'm going into an, an ego state that, that allows the conversation to move forward. Mm -hmm. So if I come up to you and I say, another example is I need the report by five o'clock. And I say, <laughs> it's Friday afternoon. It's three o'clock. I'm going drinking at three. You're never going to get this wrong ego state to go into. That's the free child, the, the creator spontaneous doesn't think about consequences child. You're going to have someone angry. But whereas if somebody says to me, listen, um, I can get this to you by five o'clock, that's an adult response. Or could I possibly get it to you by Monday morning at 10? Because the team mm -hmm. have decided to go out for drinks this afternoon. That's yeah. a complimentary adult transaction that happens adult to adult. Does that make yeah. sense? It makes sense because I think for me, is being able to assess where you're at and where the other person is at so yeah. that the conversation or that relationship can be structured in a different way. And as you were saying, um, not being preemptive with the thoughts of where this person is at. Yeah. And really asking the questions if you're not finding what you are. Because sometimes relationships in the workplace can go pear-shaped because yeah. we, assume, we assume that people are lazy, we assume that that one is just useless, but nobody has ever taken the time to have a conversation to say, what's going on? Where yeah. can we help? Or whatever the case is, you know, I think, I think it's a very important conversation. Absolutely. And I think what's so important is, and you've hit uh, on a very important point, and especially in the workplace, is that what people do is, is that and it's one of the, the coaching models that Brooke Castillo came up with, is, is that we an action happens 
and we have a thought about the action which relates into a feeling about the action. And then what happens is that we then respond to it and we get the result of, of, the, of, the, of that kind of like process. So the fact is, is that Mpume has arrived late. The thought is Mpume doesn't take her job seriously. The feeling is I'm angry with her now. The consequence of that, I'm, I have a discussion with you and I tell you, you need to be on time tomorrow. The result, you disengage because you actually don't want to be anymore and you're going to start looking for another job, even though you're a great performer. What mm. I don't do is start off with the fact. All I judge, all I, all I critique, all I coach is the fact. The only thing I know in Pume is that you were late. I cannot assume any other story, thought or feeling as being valid in the workplace. The only thing I can do is say, Mpume, you were late this morning. Can you tell me what's going on? And yeah. let and coach the fact or speak to the fact, because that's where I see where the ego state is. That's where yeah. I see what's in front of me. So often we're making up these stories and saying, this person is saying this because of this. What is the fact? The person has asked me for the report by five o'clock. The fact is I can't get it to them by five o'clock. How am I going to respond to this appropriately to move the conversation forward? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think this would be my last question because, Clive, we can speak about this forever and ever. Like, <laughs> I love talking to you about it. <laughs> so, but what if you are in an environment or you're in a team where people don't want to share or people are holding on to information and this is, I own this and you are, shouldn't get involved. Whereas it's a team and everybody needs to be contributing. How do you then create, how can you create a better relationship in those type of environments? So my first question would be if I was doing an audit on the team or if I was looking at the team is, is, is that I would look at the wires and what immediately comes to mind for me, and, and this is an assumption, because I think yeah. that, you know, some of the, the facts need to obviously be fleshed out more. But the assumption is, is that what, what safety exists or space of safety exists within that team? If I'm holding on to information, it's because I don't feel safe to share it, because it means that I've got a one up on you. Mm. So therefore, my job is safe. So immediately what I look at is, is that how do I go back to a space of creating safety within this team? And if it's the team dynamics, then I need to get them into a space of saying, let's have an honest adult conversation. What do you guys need from each other for us to work differently? If it's mm -hmm. I'm holding on to things because of other people in the organization, that's more difficult because what then has to happen is that there needs to be a discussion with other people in the organization saying, you're not making my team feel safe. Yeah. But what it does need ultimately is it needs dialogue is these things are only sorted out when we speak. Relationship is about speaking. Relationship is about touching, holding, but it's also about speaking. And until we actually, I've always said is that you don't change culture of a team or of an organization with posters on a wall or giving them drinks on a Friday afternoon. You change culture conversation by conversation. And what you do is, and that's, and that you want change management, you can have all the processes under the sun, you want to change a team, you want to change a relationship, you get the person or the people into a room and you talk, because yeah. that's the only way. And sometimes you need multiple conversations. 
for them to realize that it's a safe space. But the only way to get people to change behavior is to for them to become aware of their own behavior or you to become aware of your behavior, which might not be creating a sense, a space of safety. Wow. And, and as you were speaking, the only thing that was coming to my mind was communicating and communicating and communicating more and more and more. So that yeah. you can get to a, to a so, stage where it's comfortable for each other. Absolutely. So communicating and listening. Because we're often yeah. very good at telling the people what they need to do. We communicate our needs. But I don't ever listen to what yeah. are you. Yeah. So that's why I always find that very powerful thing. What do you need from me to make this a safe relationship? So that you're not holding on to things. Mm. Which is different from yeah. you hold on to things. Why do you do it? And then I listen. So, you know, the, it, I and listen. the person will get defensive the minute it's like, why are you holding on to things? Exactly. You know? So you don't, because it's a wrong ego state. Immediately you're coming in with a parent ego state, which we were talking about earlier, which yeah. is critical saying you, you are doing something. But if I go in and I'm nurturing, which is the other parent, and I say, well, what do you need from me? What mm. can I do to make this better? I'm suddenly changing the conversation completely. Yeah. And I'm making it one where the person actually says, okay, this person's actually taking responsibility and wants to partner with me. It's far more powerful. It's about communication, but the listening aspect the listening is so is really important. important. I hear you. And hearing what other people have to say in this situation, not your story of it. Yeah. So thanks, Clive. What's the, I think you've covered it, but what is the last thing that you would love to leave somebody with? After this oh, conversation, this is always such pressure because I feel like I need to like say something very incredibly powerful. No, that's gonna you don't world. have to be too clever. Just say something. <laughs> so I think for me is is that I think what, and we're talking about about relationships in the workplace, is is that what I think what we need to realize is is that we need to realize that we work with human beings and we work with people who are walking around with piles of pain. No one's story is, I often say to people, you, uh, I'm, I'll hold on to my problems when I hear your problems because I realize how difficult your problems are compared to mine. But the reality is, is that we, we operate in environments where people need to get the job done, but they also need to be treated like humans. We need to move away from, and especially I see it in big corporations where people are an number, they're an access card, they're a resource, they're, you know, they're a bum on the seat. I need more bums on the seat. But we don't actually say, I need, you know, how can I take care of this person? How can I, how can I make sure this person feels valued? How can I, as a leader, bring out the best in this person? Because then I'm going to have a higher performing team. I think the more we start realizing that we work with human beings who need us to connect with them, I think work, the workplace will be more, more powerful. And I think we'll be more profitable as mm. in, in our businesses, because what we've got is when Richard Branson said it, how you treat your employees is how they treat the customer. Yeah. You know, and I think if we have, if you want great customer experience, create great employee experience. Yeah. No, thank you. Thank you for that. So where can people find you? So you can find me all over the internet. Um, so my website is um, www.readypeople.co.za. That's R-E-A-D-Y people.co.za. 
Um, and my email address is easy, Clive at readypeople.co.za. Thanks, Clive. So for anybody who's been um, part of this conversation, please continue to like our conversations, share them. These are powerful conversations that we're having. So I say that myself and get other people to subscribe. And, and thank you for the time. Thanks, Clive, for the time. And thanks to anybody who's been listening. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Change Conversations. If you enjoyed our show and you would like to help support the podcast, please share it with others and kindly post about it on your social media platforms. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram and YouTube at Change Conversations with Mbume. I am Mbume Ngobedaga signing out and I will see you again next week.